Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. I hope you enjoyed this series. We've got a couple more weeks uh, where we're going to be looking at the encounters of Jesus uh, over the next couple weeks. Jesus, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Chris is going to wrap it up uh, with the children on the end of the month. I hope that you'll be here for that. But I want you to take a moment and imagine you're walking down the street. It's a casual walk. You know, just walking around the town. Maybe you do a morning walk for exercise. Maybe you're just, it's a beautiful day and you want to walk downtown and do some window shopping. Maybe you're meeting friends and you're walking a dog. Maybe just a walk, right? No really intent or purposes, just, just walking around. And all of a sudden you look up in a tree and there is a man, not a child, you know, middle-aged man just sitting in a tree. What's your thoughts? You're probably asking the same question I'm asking. What is he doing in a tree? Now, if he had on a harness and he had on, you know, the, all the gear you have to cut down a tree, it would make sense, right? We've all had that happen. We've had a couple of storms come by and you've had trees come down in your yard or you've had to have some trees topped off. And you've seen men climb up a tree, cut off the top do what they need to do. So if they have all of the gear to be working on the tree, you wouldn't think much of it. You would immediately get your answer and go, okay, he's there to work. But if this is someone that is dressed in casual clothes, what are you thinking? Why is he in a tree? Why is he up there? What's going on? Okay, let's take it a step further and let's say, what about if he was the richest man in town? Then what are you thinking? Shifts a little bit, right? You get more confused. You get more concerned. And some of you are even probably going, what does he know that we don't know? What's he working on? You know, there's a reason he's gotten the wealth that he's gotten. So apparently he has a better idea than we do. Maybe we should climb a tree with him. Maybe. Okay, let's go a step further. It's a local politician or a big politician, the President of the United States. You're walking along, and you see this big-time politician that's on every news channel. Now what are you thinking? Even shifts a little bit more. Your perspective has changed. Now you're asking more questions like, really, what is going on? Is this some campaign stunt? Is this an activity to get attention to him? What is he trying to see? What is he looking at? Do you stop? Do you listen? Do you join in ridicule and start yelling? This is your opportunity. He can't do anything to you. It's not like he can throw rocks at you down there. It's not like he can arrest you from up there. Do you just start using this opportunity while he's trapped to lash out of the things that you don't agree with him about? See, this is exactly the story that we're going to come across today. It's an encounter that is kind of, it's interesting when you get down to it and look at some of the details and look at the characters. It's a familiar story that if you grew up in a Baptist church, you sang the song, Cesore of Zacchaeus. And no, for that you're wondering, I'm not going to sing today. I did that once in a sermon. You can ask about it later. And I was told I got the words wrong by the children. So I'm scared that I'll mess it up again. So we're going to leave it to your imagination to sing the song. But turn with me to Luke chapter 10, or Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. 
Now, over the weeks, like I've mentioned, we've been going through this series of encountering Jesus. And we have seen some many different encounters of ordinary people experiencing Jesus. You've got the woman at the well. You've got the, the rich man that we talked about last week. The rich lawyer. You remember this? If you were here last week, you heard the story of how the rich man was asking Jesus, how do I get to heaven? How do I get eternal life? How do I live forever? How do I continue this life that I have acquired forever? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, okay. And he walks away with his head down, right? You remember what Jesus said? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. See, that story, you end kind of sad. You feel sorry because it's these words that you start thinking about what is happening. Am I rich? Am I the rich man? How it's hard to give up things we love. And we, we end that story with a rich man walking away. And we don't know if he followed Jesus. But this story counteracts that. This story is the good news of that story. Because see, Zacchaeus was a rich man and he walks away following Jesus. So we see a true example of Jesus doing the impossible of getting a rich man to heaven. So turn with let's look. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Familiar story. But I want us to look deeply at the characters of this story. Because I think to get the main point and to get the the ultimate goal where Jesus says, I have come to seek those that are lost, let's look at the lost. Let's look at Zacchaeus first. We look in verse 2 that there was a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And we see that he was a chief tax collector. He was short. He was wanted to see Jesus. He overclaimed many obstacles. And he risked all the safety to get there. Those are your main character developments. And let's walk through them one by one. The first thing, he was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? It's actually interesting because that phrase, chief tax collector, this is the only time in the New Testament it is written. In fact, it, those words, those Greek words, chief tax collector, is not found in any other literary art. It's a unique word to the Bible, to the story, to be a chief tax collector. Now, a tax collector in itself was someone that collects taxes. But in this instance, what the Roman government, who had lots of taxes on his people, they would hire Jewish people, people of the people, a person of the people, to go and collect the taxes. Because they thought 
If you have a friendly face taking money from the people, it won't be as bad. It's a logical thought. But what these men would do, these Jewish men, was they would go and collect taxes. And see, they only had a baseline of taxes that they had to take for the Roman government. Now, naturally, this time, the most of the people couldn't read, so they didn't know the tax law. They didn't know what taxes they actually had to pay. And so they went into a system where the government told this person that they had to trust, told them what to pay back to the government. And the tax collector could take whatever they wanted. They could charge whatever they wanted in taxes. The people didn't know. The areas changed. They could make up rules. They could make up laws. And whatever they took was their profit. Now, to be the chief tax collector means he was not just collecting taxes for one group. He was taking taxes off of the tax collectors. He was managing a group of men in this area to collect taxes. And Jericho, y'all know the story of Jericho. So it's in the Bible a lot started off when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, but then it grew and it kept prosperous. And then during this time, Jericho was right by the Jordan River, so it was an easy place to get trade. It was a metropolis. It was a trade center. People would walk in, and so being a chief tax collector of a trade where he could cause taxes on imports, exports, goods, personal property, you can imagine the wealth that Zacchaeus had, right? He had a lot of wealth. He may not have been the richest person in town, but he was pretty close. He was going to be a very good politician because to get to become a chief tax collector, you had to know how to work the magic. You had to know how to work the system. So you have this man who's got everything he would ever need. All the material possessions. We don't know if he has a family. We don't know if he has kids. We can, we can ask those questions. It's not clear in Scripture. It's all skept, uh, you're being skeptical on it. You're, you're looking at it deeper. But in all material possessions, he could get what he wanted. He, could get, he had the power he wanted. Because as a Jewish man, that was probably the most power you could get. Because you, be, you couldn't have a Roman official because you were not Roman. You couldn't become a citizen of Rome. You had to stay Jewish. But this was a high level of power. But the people, to the people, he was a traitor. He had turned his back on his own people. He had started doing these political schemes, being evil, just to get his wealth up. They didn't see him as a man of the people. They saw him a man against the people. Most scholars believe that these tax, collector, tax collectors in the eyes of the Jewish were the worst of sinners. The worst of sinners. But we get this, so we continue going. So you've got this wealthy man, this political man, and he has a little a problem with his height. So he's a short man. How short? We don't know. But he was a short man considering. So could he be looking at the wealth to try to overcompensate some of his physical problems or what the crowd looked at him? Because we all know that the crowd and culture, we like to look at physical features and make opinions about physical features. And if we don't have any other way to go after someone and attack someone, we're going to go after them physically. So there was probably some overcompensation on this. There was this need. I'm getting, this is me reading into the Scripture, but I feel like there's this need for pride. There's this need to show I'm better than everybody. Look at where I've come. I have been down and out my whole life, and now look at me. 
I can sense that. I can sense him looking and being at his office and just looking at the wealth he could give. But obviously it wasn't enough. Obviously he wasn't happy. Because let's look at verse 3 again. He says, He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now why? Have you ever asked that question? I did. We had this, uh, when we went to Caswell this past June, the, the speaker, the preacher, spoke on this, and I had never really asked that question. I had always just assumed Jesus was this, this person, this radiant person that everybody drawn to, which is true, but why would a rich politician be drawn to Jesus? In fact, not only is he drawn to Jesus, but if you look at a couple of other things in verse 4, it says, so he ran ahead and climbed a tree. Now, this is a rich man. If you look at the, 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 the perception and what we see, the description of rich men in the Bible, when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, that's another familiar story that most of you have heard, right? And it says that the father was very wealthy. And the father's son, he left him to go do whatever he wanted to do. But the father stood on the porch. He stood on the steps looking out to see his son coming. And it says that when he saw his, the prodigal son, the lost son, coming home, what did the rich man do? He ran. Now, it was very uncharacteristic for a rich man to run. You didn't have to run. You had on these nice Garments. You had this nice clothes that if you ran, you may tear it. You may get it dusty. You may get it dirty. It may get in the mud. And you cannot, in your dignified manner, show up in dirty clothes. you got to see and impress people. But it says, Jesus makes a point to say that that man, the Father, in all His glory, humbled Himself and ran to the Son. So here's Zacchaeus, a very similar story. Zacchaeus ran ahead of Jesus. He was short. There was an obstacle. He couldn't see over the crowd. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And so he kept thinking, being the creative mind that he was, being the problem solver he was, he looked at the direction of Jesus and where the crowd was going, and he ran ahead of them. He saw obstacles, but he got over the obstacles. And then he looks and he sees a tree. Now you're, you're going to see a picture of what they call a Zacchaeus tree. It's called a sycamore fig tree. This was taken in Israel. Bob Berry went there a couple years ago. He handed me this picture. He got to see this tree. And, and I've heard before, Zacchaeus couldn't have climbed a sycamore tree. Have you seen the sycamore trees around your house? Well, we live in America and the sycamore trees that we have are different than there in Israel. But this is a sycamore fig tree. It would have been common. As you can see, there's low-laying branches. He probably could have climbed it. But once again, who climbs trees? Now, I don't see any kids in the room. I see all the adults. When's the last time y'all climbed a tree? Except for somebody I see in the room that likes to climb trees. But that's a different story. He doesn't take safety into account, Terry Carroll. But when's the last time you climbed a tree? Not deer hunting, not trying to fix something, but just climbed a tree, I don't see any hands going up. It's not something adults do, right? That's childish behavior. Now, when we go to Caswell, there, I, I had a group of students, and every year they would climb the trees. I haven't had that in a while. Those graduated out, and I'm glad they didn't give that tradition around. Because when you climb a tree as a parent, when you're seeing your, your child climb it, 
you start having a little bit of deep breaths, right? Because how many of you have had a child fall out of a tree and break an arm? It's probably, you start wondering if he breaks, what's going to happen? But here's a man who has common sense climbing a tree. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus. Why would he take risk? Why would he take safety? Why would he take all of this in account to climb a tree? To see a man? Well, I think it's because he was searching for something. He was not peaceful. He didn't have any rest in his soul. No matter what he had, no matter what level of power he got, no matter how much money he received, he could not find the peace that passes all understanding. He couldn't find that love, that unconditional love from someone. Everyone had looked down at him because the other thing I can think of, we're going to get to the crowd in a minute, but he went around the crowd instead of trying to break through the crowd. The easiest obstacle to go through is to go through a crowd of people to get to the front. Naturally, he could have made his way because he could have said, hey, look, get out of the way. Or get out of the way or I'm going to, it's going to cost you more money. I'm going to give you a tax for not getting out of my way so I can see Jesus. He could have done all of that, but he chose to go around the crowd, run, make a fool of himself, and climb a tree. Because he wanted something from this man named Jesus. Because if you look at the story right outside, right before you get in Luke chapter 18, there's this miracle that happens of a blind man. Right outside the city gates. A man was in poverty. A man was sitting there. And a man could not see. And Jesus comes by and it was through this man's faith that he was healed. Jesus says, you are healed. You can see. So I'm sure Zacchaeus is in his office collecting his money, counting his money, looking at around and he's feeling down and he's feeling depressed and he's feeling anxious and he doesn't know where to turn and he hears about this man that made a blind man see. Or maybe a week ago before that when he hears the story of the rich man, the lawyer that came and asked Jesus, how do I get to eternal life? And he heard the voice of Jesus. Maybe he was there. Maybe he heard it through one of his, his persons. But he said, you have to give away your possessions to the poor. You've got to fully believe and have faith in me. And he starts questioning, do I have faith in anything? I don't have faith in the government. It would be a fool to have faith in the Roman government because they were just going to take advantage of him no matter what. He didn't have faith in the government. He didn't have faith probably in his employees because he knew they were only working just to keep themselves happy, to make a living. He couldn't, he couldn't have faith in his own wealth because in a split moment he could have felt and gotten hurt and all his money would have gone away because if he can't collect taxes, then what is he good for? He has spent all his years getting to this point in his work that he can't start over now. But he saw something in Jesus. He had heard something about this man named Jesus that could, feel, that could make him a new creation. He had seen it happen all the time. So he overcame all of these obstacles. One scholar said he was a curious adolescent. 
because he climbed a tree, he ran ahead, he acted like a child to see Jesus. So let's move to the next character in the story, and it's the crowd. We only have a little bit. We have one verse. In verse 7, it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter. So let's start there. Can you, a town of people gossiping. Unheard of. Unheard of. That never happens. They didn't even have Facebook back then, and they were muttering. They were muttering, What is this guy doing? You can imagine all the talk around town. I once again said that it was this group of people that Zacchaeus avoided. They would have had a religious background. They would have been there. Most of them would have been Jewish people. Most of them would have been religious leaders because it was a main part. So I imagine there's a synagogue there with the Pharisees and the Sadducees there. They wanted to make sure everything was going smooth. They had saw him, as as one scholar said, an agent of tyranny. And then... This man named Jesus, the Messiah. Why is he hanging out with sinners? They didn't understand this love that Jesus given. They didn't understand the story because it's one thing to walk by a man in a tree because that's what a lot of us would have done. We'd have looked up, we'd have saw the man in a tree and we'd have kept going. Even if we'd been in church for 40 years, most of us would not have asked the question, why are you in a tree? We would have minded our own business. We would have had our own questions. We would have started muttering among our friends and saying, did you see that politician in the tree? Did you see what he was doing? What would he have been doing? Do you think they're bringing in a project here? Do you think they're going to steal more money from us? Are they going to take away more homes? Are they going to take away more of the mom and pop shops? What are they doing? They are up to no good. See, the crowd was muttering. The crowd... They let their religiousness overcame the fact that here was a poor man in a tree. See, they were all about the humanitarian issues, but they were not all about the humans in the issues. They had no problems talking about the personal issues that convicted them, but they didn't want to talk about the persons that it affected. Instead, they used it as an opportunity to use their mouth to to badmouth the man they all hated. Because they couldn't unite in a lot of things, but everybody could unite on the hatred of a tax collector. Because you didn't like someone stealing your money, taking away the money that you earned. And then Jesus was an easy target because now those that were questioning, those that didn't really believe in Jesus, this was ammunition to fire at Jesus. He's not really the Messiah. How can the Son of God that He proclaims to be walk around and talk to sinners, talk to the worthless, talk to this agent of tyranny? We are supposed to be against Rome. In Isaiah, it says that the Messiah will stand up and they will take on the world and they will bring in a new earth and a new heaven and they will bring in a new political system that will be ruled by God alone and that's what we need to find. This Jesus is not it. This Jesus is not the political figure. He's, not, he's here to have fun and love those that are against Him. I don't want to love my enemy. I don't want to love the people that don't look like me. I don't want to love the people that have different beliefs than me. I don't want to love the people that may outwardly express a concern they have. I don't want to have open dialogue with somebody that's against me because then that makes me inferior. That's what the crowd was saying. Because they looked at Jesus and they attacked Jesus and they said, Jesus, why are you going to this man's house? 
I'm more religious. Come to my house. I guarantee you my house will be cleaner. I guarantee you I can cook better than Zacchaeus. Come to my house. Spend time with me. Stop going for everybody else. I want you for myself. I want the selfishness. I want to hear your teachings one-on-one. Why does this sinner get the privilege that I have been following you from town to town, waiting to talk to you, waiting to have a conversation with you, yet you won't look at me, but you'll look at this man in a tree that's being ridiculous and being a kid. That's what the crowd was thinking. The last character that I want to talk about is Jesus. And what we see with Jesus, we see much of the things. We see that Jesus sees the hidden. He sees that He frees us from those social pressures. He brings recognition to the crowd that He is a person. Zacchaeus is a person just like them. And He's fulfilling Ezekiel 34. That He is the shepherd that's come to seek and save the lost of the world. See, looking at verse verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, He looked up and said, Zacchaeus. Called Him by name. Knew His name. Didn't call Him that dirty, rotten politician. Hey, you in the tree. Hey, man. He called him by name. He knew he was in the tree. See, I think another reason he, Zacchaeus, didn't go through the crowd is he didn't want to be seen. There was this sense that he couldn't let down all of his dignity. Sure, he could run. He could run and that would, that would cause questions. But if he climbed up in a tree, he would be out of the sight of most of the crowd. Because who looks up when they're walking? Jesus isn't going to look up. He didn't want to have a conversation with Jesus. He just wanted to look at Jesus from afar. He didn't want communication. He didn't want to be convicted. He didn't want to be questioned. He just wanted to see Jesus. He didn't care about the interaction. He cared about just getting a glimpse. And then when Zacchaeus, and then when Jesus gets to that point, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. He came, Zacchaeus gladly came down. Now that was a word that approached me as I was reading it, gladly. Because I don't know if you've ever had that heart-stopping moment where you're not expecting someone to come to your house and they say, hey, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I have two kids. My house is a wreck 85% of the time. Because you know, the adults, when you have a kid, it doesn't matter if you clean up and you put things away. Within 10 minutes, it gets destroyed. Your house is never in order until college happens. I've learned this. So when you, if you came to me and said, Tad, I want to come to your house. I'll be there in 10 minutes. I'm going to go into a little bit of a panic attack because I'm going to figure out how in the world am I going to hide all of these toys and stuff that's been hanging. I'm, re- I'm not ready for you. I may even say, let's, let's plan a different day. Let's plan a different day. I'll cook. I don't have, I don't have anything to cook for you. I, I haven't prepared. i got to go to the grocery store. I would make every excuse possible for you to come. Even if Dr. Mike came. I'd be like, Dr. Mike, I'm sorry. We gotta, I know you've got grandkids. You understand. We'll, we'll do it another day. I'll get steaks. It'll be fine. But Zacchaeus immediately came down and saw Jesus and welcomed him gladly. 
There was no question of why. There was no question of, are you judging me? There was no question of, why, what's your ulterior motive? Are you going to condemn me? He gladly went with Jesus. No reservations, but with a smile on his face, he went with Jesus and went to the house. And when the people were saying, why is Jesus going? Zacchaeus stands up and says, I will change my life. Because you have seen me, because you are coming to be a part of my life, because I am hearing your voice and you saw me when no one else saw me, when you loved me when no one else loved me, when you didn't worry, if you didn't think that I would follow the tree and you didn't expect me to follow the tree and get hurt, you didn't want me to get hurt, you wanted to come to my house. That's what Zacchaeus wanted. He wanted to feel like a person. He wanted to feel like that long lost sheep looking for a shepherd. He was happy and joyous, unlike the rich young ruler who is sad. He immediately said, God, I heard your statement. I heard you say that I need to give things to the way from the poor. I heard that I need to reconcile everything that I've done wrong. I will give four times that amount just to show you that I am serious. Just to show that I am doing this for your love. I am doing this to glorify you. He didn't do it for his own well-being. He didn't say this statement and say, oh, I will do this if you will save me. He says, I'm going to do this because he had already been saved. He had already been glorified. He wasn't doing it to earn his own salvation because salvation was already there. Jesus says salvation is here. When Jesus enters into the room, salvation is here. It is your choice to accept that salvation and change your life. And that's what Zacchaeus did. And Jesus looks at him and says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. And I'm, I'm sure it was not just him and Zacchaeus in the room. You knew a Pharisee walked into that room. A Sadducee. Because if I imagine as a politician, you would have invited all these people in. You wanted to get the spectacle. You wouldn't have made this private affair. It doesn't say he did. It said all the people kept coming and seeing. And Jesus made it very clear to this group of people, this man, Zacchaeus, is just like you. He has the same background. He has the same uh, beliefs, the same thinking. He is just like you. He is the son of Abraham. He is part of the chosen people. He is part of my people that I want to seek. He is part of my people that have been lost and is found. He's just like you. See, Jesus brought that person back into personal matters. He brought the human back into humane matters. He stopped talking about topics and he talked about people. And that's what we see here because as a Pharisee and a Sadducee, they would have heard that story. They would have heard this line, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. And immediately what would have popped in their brains because they were experts in the Bible. They knew the Bible. They had memorized the Bible. They were good religious people that could quote Scripture better than anybody. They knew it and they would have turned to looked and thought, okay, Ezekiel 34 two says, Son of Man Son of man, you get that phrase? You think Jesus did that by accident? No. 
Ezekiel 34, 2 says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? He's not talking to the lost people here. He's talking to the leaders of Israel here. He's talking to the priests. He's talking to the people that come to church every week that know the Bible, that's read the Bible. He's talking and saying, be careful that you don't forget the lost. Be careful that you don't neglect them. Because I am sending, God is sending someone to take care of them and love them. Because you look at verse 6 of Ezekiel 34, and it says this, My sheep wander all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. You can hear the sadness in God's voice to hear that His chosen people, the people that He's brought into His place, into His comfort, into His presence, are lost, and no one is there to guide them. Verse 11 of 34. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I myself, God myself, God in human form comes and seek to save those that are lost. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. See, Jesus was our shepherd. He's the one that came and saved the lost. And so what do we need to learn from this encounter? There's four things that we can take away and learn. The first one being, we need to be seeking Jesus. We need to be seeking Jesus. Now the good news is, you're one step there already. Because you're in this place. You wouldn't be coming into this place, this building, if you weren't seeking something from Jesus. Even if you're watching this on Facebook, there's something in you that wants to seek Jesus. There's something about Him that has drawn you, drawn attention to you, so you are wanting to seek Jesus. But a reminder to all of us, we need to seek Jesus every day, all the time. Just because you have been a follower of Him for 30, 40, 50 years, you've led, you've taught, you need to be seeking Jesus because Jesus has something to tell you. The second thing we need to do is we need to be concerned with our, with our own heart instead of the perception of others. We need to quit worrying about what the people are saying. We need to quit worrying about who's liking our comments or who's agreeing with us or who watches the same news channel or who believes what we believe about whatever. We need to stop worrying about that and we just need to live out what God tells us to live. You see, Jesus told us that we were all ministers. Paul says that we are ministers of the gospel. We all are. We are God's workmanship to go forward. And so as a minister, your job is to seek those that are lost and bring them back to the shepherd. You're not the shepherd, but you're one of the good sheep, the wise sheep that can bring them back to the shepherd because they'll follow you. You can be a leader. But a lot of times we don't want to because we're scared of what people will think of us. We don't want to run. Running may cause conflict. Running is abnormal. Why am I running? Or, why don't I freely worship? I come into this place and I'm seeking Jesus, but yet I don't want to raise my hands, but maybe I feel led to. Or maybe I don't want to sing out because somebody may hear me. Or maybe I don't like this song. It's not my favorite. 
Or I don't like how it sounds. I don't like the music of the song. I don't like how it's written. I don't like how it's arranged. I don't like anything. I'm going to forget about the words and put it on my heart. And I'm going to worry because if somebody sees me singing this song, they may think I agree with the way the music's written. I don't want to worship freely because somebody may think, well, he's just gone Pentecostal on us. He's not being reverent enough. We got to quit the perception, worrying about perception of others and take on our own heart. Three, we need to remember that Jesus is seeking us. We need to seek Jesus and Jesus is seeking us. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Jesus looked up in a tree. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where you're listening on Facebook, but Jesus is seeking you. He's looking for you to come home, that you are broken and you need a Savior, and He wants to help you with that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened before. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you believe. He wants you to love Him because He loves you unconditionally. He's asking for you to come and be a part of His life that He will help you and bring you hope and salvation. We are all broken. We all seek other things to bring, to try to fix the brokenness. But there's only one thing, and that's Jesus, because He went to the cross. He broke His body for you. He took the penalty for you. He's the only one that can cleanse and make you whole again. It's through His cross that that happens, and it's through His love and grace and through His power that He rose up from the grave and says that death is not the end, life is. Life with God in heaven forever. That hope is in Jesus. There's no hope in this world. There's no hope in what you can put into your life. There's only hope in Jesus. And that's what you have to concentrate. And Jesus is seeking to give that to you. And then finally, once we accept Jesus' love, We have to become new creations. We have to change our behaviors to reflect the gospel that changes us. It's not about works. It's not about doing something to get the gospel. The gospel is already there. It is by grace you are saved, not by works. But faith without works is dead. You've got to have the works. You've got to have the behavior changes. Your sins of your past life will come to get you. You can't run away from those things. You are broken, but that's why Jesus cleanses it because you don't have to worry about the, free, the sin. He frees you from the sin. He frees you from the bondage of all of those things of what the world tells you and yells at you and throws rocks at you. He frees you. And we've got to show that we've been freed. That means when we come across someone that doesn't agree with us politically, because right now that's the number one place that people argue. It's not to bash at them. It's not to question their faith. We have no right to question someone's faith. That is only by the judge of Jesus Himself. I don't care how long we've been in church. We have no right to judge them. Not their faith. But we can judge actions. We can judge the fruit and we can help them get good fruit. We can have good fruit because the best way to show someone that you have good fruit is showing them the fruit through Jesus. It's not earning your salvation through your works. It's reflecting God's love through your works and through your behavior. Because Paul says, for you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So are you acting like a new creation? As the musicians come and as they play, the invitation is for us to remember these things. 
Are you seeking Jesus? Have you found Jesus? Are you willing to go through obstacles to get a glimpse of who He is? Jesus is seeking you. He's wanting to be one with you. He's wanting to give you a life of peace. Do you realize Jesus is seeking you and will you surrender to that? Will you surrender to His life and to His love and live out a life committed to Him? The altar is here if you need to pray and you need to work through something going on in your life. I'll be down front if you need to talk it out. But whatever you do, sing this song. Don't worry about people around you. Sing this song. Listen to the words and focus on what Jesus can do to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Help us come just as we are to your love. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.